Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TV voice of the Cincinnati Reds, and you're up for Late Night Reds Talk. What is going on? Welcome to Late Night Reds Talk Live, part of the Believe Podcast Network, sponsored as always by Bet Online. We are so excited to have you with us for our final live show of 2021. We've got an awesome guest with us tonight that we'll introduce here in just a moment. Uh, before we get to all that, I want to take a minute to tell you about our partner, Bet Online. Uh, they've got a new web interface. It's got a lot of really cool features for all your props, bets, and lines. I know that we've got two NFL games tomorrow that you can still get a bet in on. Uh, one crazy line that I saw for tomorrow is the Lakers are seven-point home underdogs against the Suns. You might want to jump on that one while you still can. Go head over to the new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code, uh, BLEAV50. Uh, that's Believe50, BLAEV50 to receive your bonus. Carlos, the Bengals are two and a half point underdogs on Sunday against the Ravens. Do you like the Bengals to cover that spread? They're at home? Yeah, they're at home. Yeah. You like that? Okay. You, you get your betting advice from, uh, from our guy, Carlos. Go on over, place a bet, and you can uh, blame him if you're wrong. So. If I'm uh, wrong, I'm at Tim Daniels. That's with an <laughs> S. <laughs> uh, but we're excited. We've got uh, Bobby Nightingale, the Cincinnati Inquirer, on with us tonight. Uh, Bobby does an awesome job covering the Reds. Bobby, how you doing? Good. Thanks for uh, thanks for the invite onto the show. Yeah, absolutely. So you've kind of had a crazy couple years since you uh, joined the Reds beat. Uh, you had the 2020 season. Now you're in the middle of a lockout. Has it been as crazy covering the team as it uh, uh, looks from afar? A little bit. I mean, I feel like, especially now, I mean, the they, club, they closed clubhouses right when the pandemic hit. That's kind of been the biggest change is you feel like, I mean, there's some guys that it's like I, my relationship is basically based off of pre-2020 type um, dealings with players. I mean, it just feels like the last two years have kind of put everything on hold. We got a little bit closer last this past year. We were on the field at least, but it's still not the same as it used to be. So that's kind of the biggest change is don't quite feel like I know as many people the same way as I did. Yeah, surely you got to miss out on a lot of good stories. Just the back and forth banter before the games, after the games. I've told people, I think like when you see the clubhouse is open, and I don't know if that'll even happen this upcoming season, but like as soon as you see it open, I feel like the first month and a half are all going to be stories of what everyone missed the past two years, like fight and you missed this and you missed that. And um, I feel like we're going to be playing catch up for a while. Yeah. So we actually do have some, some Reds news, uh, which is uh, wild since it's December 20th and we're also in the middle of the lockout. So uh, we got to start off of course uh, with that. So Jake Bowers was uh, signed today. Um, he is a left-handed batter, first base uh, left field, right field, uh, signed to a minor league deal. Uh, Baseball America's uh, number 45 overall prospect entering 2018. Uh, traded from Tampa to Cleveland uh, as part of like a three-player deal with Yandy Diaz. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me as uh, is, is kind of a positive on him, career 312, uh, expected weighted on base average versus right-handed pitchers. That's just right about league average, uh, kind of what he's expected to do. I'm assuming the Reds will be looking at him. Um, as more of a uh, platoon-type player. I did it for the cycle with Cleveland in 2019. Not a great fielder, not not necessarily a, a massive liability. Um, above average speed and walk rate and uh, uh, a high strikeout walk, uh, rate. Uh, Bobby, let's start with you. What's your, your thoughts on, on Jake Bowers? I know this, you know this news hasn't been out that long. Were you able to kind of get any insight on him and, and that signing? Not a ton. I mean, just a, another non-roster guy. 
mean, if he contributes, that's great. See, it seems like the Reds lately have been like the, you see a lot of top prospects. They've, I feel like last year they got a ton of like top prospect former pitchers, like Jose De Leon types. And now, I mean, Jake Bowers, you see a top 50 prospect. I feel like the coaching staff's always, if, if you can figure him out, you know, he can, he can pop, but no one's been able to, he hasn't been able to figure out the majors yet. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, what's, what's the harm in it? I mean, it's a, it's a top 50 prospect. So that, that's kind of nice. Interesting that he's, you know, fallen, fallen that far off. I mean, that was the injury 2018. That wasn't really that long ago. I, I know that the uh, Cleveland really liked him. You know, I, I do live up here in Cleveland. I, I, I remember hearing, uh, about how how much they really liked him. I mean, they did trade Yanni Diaz, who's you know pretty pretty good player in his own right. Um, and then last year, even as as uh, bad as he was, he stayed on a major league roster the entire year. That was kind of what stuck out to me. Um, I think he did battle some injuries, but he never got sent down or anything like that. So so that's kind of interesting. I mean, you know, hey, he's you know guy kind of worth a shot. Carlos, you got any interesting take on on Mister Bowers? I don't. I mean, just to echo what you said, I mean, it's not bad to bring in somebody who was the top 50 just, you know, three years ago. I mean, didn't even play in 20, so it doesn't yeah. get lucky. Yeah, I think 20, he was in the alternate site and never, never got, got the call. Yeah. But, but, I mean, it was only a 60-game season. You didn't really have as many, you know, players shuffling in and out. So, yeah, that's it on, on Jake Bauer. That was the big Reds news. Bobby, did I miss any other any other intense news over the week? Don't think so. That's the one thing about the lockout. It's like as a beat writer, completely down these days. Brian yeah. Price went to the Padres. There's that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> still, uh, still kicking it. I do kind of want to ask you, Bobby, something that I know you've wrote, you know, extensively about. It's been obviously one of probably the probably the biggest topic uh, among the Reds this offseason so far. Do you feel that the Reds getting to the lockout without trading? Uh, Castillo, Gray, or Malley, do you think it makes it more likely that they keep them, or do you think it doesn't matter? What's your thoughts on I kind of felt like maybe there was like kind of this like soft deadline uh, of the lockout. What do you think? Yeah, but I feel like it was one of those, if a team missed on a bunch of free agents, like I know the Blue Jays were, it felt like they were on every free agent pitcher. They ended up getting, um, I remember who they signed. They got a Barreos, and then they signed a free agent, uh, maybe Robbie Ray. No, not Robert. He went to Seattle, but somebody else. But it was like if it, if the musical chairs ended up and there's no team that got a pitcher that they wanted, especially those teams looking for high end pitchers. I thought those would have made sense after the lockout, like Castillo. You know, maybe they overpay for Castillo type deal. Um, but I feel like for trade purposes, I mean, you might as well just keep your high price tag. I mean, I know the Reds value Luis Castillo a lot. He still has two years left. Same with Tyler Malley. Uh, the coaching staff really likes him a lot. Um, and Sonny Gray, I mean, he he probably makes the most sense if you're going to end up trading a starter. It's to me, you're kind of stuck in this. Do the Reds go for it next year in 2022, or do they kind of just kick the can down the road and say, let's build the team a little bit for 23 and 24? Um, and, and so, it's, if if you make that determination that you can't win a division next year, um, to me, it just makes sense. Sonny Gray would be kind of be the first one, just because he's older, uh, lesser of a contract, and um, he, he could help contenders definitely. I know the you know the zips zips projection just came out and uh, I know man we kind of look at that and you're like oh wow these actually look pretty good you know these are actually you know very encouraging um, obviously the Reds already have their own projection system like they they weren't surprised by by what they saw there um, maybe as much as the rest of us but uh, but yeah, yeah I definitely find that you know kind of interesting Kevin Gossman was the the one the Blue Jays the Blue Jays signed uh, they did have Robbie Ray though. For any of the listeners that are out there, Bobby, like tell us a little bit about your background, like how you how you got into uh, you know in there with the Reds. Yeah, this my just completed my fourth season with the Reds. Um, so been been in Cincinnati for three and a half years. My first experience in Cincinnati. Uh, before this, I covered college uh, football and basketball for the University of Kansas. Um, before that, covered high schools. Um, I also did an internship with MLB.com, covered the Detroit Tigers in 2013. So that was my first experience covering baseball. Um, and that, that's kind of what really just kind of made me push to work, uh, cover a baseball team. Um, my dad's also a writer for USA Today. So kind of always knew the lifestyle of it, knew the background, um, but it was never 
kind of the big misconception that I hear from people. Like I was never in a press box, uh, didn't really go to many more games than anybody else. It was just um, kind of got to see what a beat writer's life looked like away from the press box. So that's probably the biggest thing that helped me growing up. Um, and then getting that internship with MLB.com um, in 2013, that was like, okay, now this is kind of what I want to work towards because that internship's like a backup beat writer position. Um, and, and so that was kind of the thing I've always been working towards. And then finally getting to work and cover baseball teams, kind of, that, that's kind of what my, my dream was. Um, and then happy to be here in Cincinnati where it's been, it's been a lot of fun covering the team. I mean, just kind of a lot of ups and downs in the last four seasons. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, there's definitely not been any dull moments with the Reds the last couple of years. Good, <laughs> good or bad, you know, it's just definitely a very interesting team. Always, always something. So the Reds payroll the last last three years, 2019 uh, was 126 million. 2020 pre-COVID was 147. 2021 was uh, 122. I think right now it's about estimated at 105. Uh, could obviously, you know, go up if. Uh, uh, the league minimum goes up and a couple of things like that, but it's probably roughly, you know, at least less than probably 110 million. Do you think that the Reds are going to get back up to that 120 or above? Like that's kind of been their low water mark the last three years. Do you think that like, if the playoffs are expanded, expanded in the the new CBA, that might change some of their spending? I feel like it, it might be a really you know tough sell to to the fan base. Uh, even you know more the rational fans that after you you know had fans in the stands for you know most of the year if the payroll was less what what's your kind of sense on on the payroll or do you even have a sense yeah I, I do think it will be less I mean I I know that's the disappointing answer um, but I, I I just just from the vibes you get um, like even the first move they made I mean they trade Tucker Barnhart to start the off season and in the press release I mean Nick Crawl came out and said this is payrolls kind of the aligning payroll to resources was kind of the answer he gave right away. But I mean, you could have sold that as a baseball decision. Hey, we have Tyler Stevenson in the wings, you know, we, we, we can't afford a seven and a half million dollar backup. So, I mean, you could have defended that trade in baseball reasons without bringing up payroll, but the fact they brought it up right away was kind of the big, to me, the big light saying payroll's going down. Um, I, I, I don't know if they have to cut a lot more. I, it might just be a thing where, if you can, great. If you can't, you know, this is the roster you're going to have and you're not going to be able to make major improvements to it. Um, and so I, I think that's where you're kind of seeing the lack of activity. Um, the Reds kind of just waited everything out and um, nothing fell to them before the lockout. But I, I just don't see any big moves coming. I mean, I think if you trade a starter, um, obviously you have innings to give away to some free agents out there. Um, you'd probably look for younger talent if you make a trade. Uh, but it's it just... I, I just feel it like it's it's gonna it's gonna come down at least a little bit. Um, like you said, it's 105 now. Maybe it goes 110 from 120 last year. Um, but it's I'd, I'd be surprised, really surprised if it was back up to kind of where it was before. Were you surprised at any of the uh, the non tender decisions that they they kept everyone um, after kind of you know that that signaling that you kind of you, you kind of felt you you heard from uh, from the the Mylene Barnard deals? Were you, Surprised at all that they kept everyone? No, just because I, I feel like everyone still had a, a big role. I mean, you still look at like Tyler Naquin was the big outfielder that was still on there. Uh, Luis Sessa and Amir Garrett, um, Jeff Hoffman. Those were kind of like the relievers. Sessa obviously was really dominant at the second half after he got traded. Amir, I mean, I, I just think the Reds don't want to give up on him. I, I don't think any of those guys were so toss prohibitive that they felt like you know, we're, we're in trouble payroll wise to cut costs to get, to keep them. Um, but like Jeff Hoffman, he looked better in the last year. Amir, if he figures things out, look, returns closer to what he was in 2019, 2018. Um, you know, he's a guy who can dominate left-handed hitters. So, I mean, you could still build around those guys going forward. Um, so I, I wasn't surprised that they kept all those guys. I think it would have been a bad sign if they got rid of a few of those guys and said, we need to cut payroll further. Um, but I think that was just more, to me, it was kind of like more of a wash type, just because just there wasn't a huge set of decisions they had to make. I know you've wrote a little bit about this. Can you tell us a little bit more about, seems like there's been a lot of, of talk about the Reds' new focus on international scouting. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, it's something they started a few years ago. Uh, I mean, it's how they got Vladimir Gutierrez 
uh, Jose Barrero, and then Alfredo Rodriguez was kind of the big guy in that that signing class. Um, he's in AAA, just hasn't panned out the way they expected. Um, but I think it's one of those that they've kind of made a bigger push in terms of you really have to have boots on the ground, settle relationships. I mean, the, uh, the unfortunate reality of it is a lot of these kids commit to teams when they're 13 years old, 14 years old. They can't sign until they're 16, um, but they usually have – you know, verbal agreements. This is kind of where I'm going. Um, you know, the, you, and then you have the strategy. Do you go after the top players in the international signing class, which it seems like what the Reds are going to do going forward where they're getting some of these top heavy um, signing bonus type guys compared to spreading the money around and giving everyone, you know, $800,000 and spreading um, the money that way. But now, now it's a little bit more structured too, where, Every team has a set amount of money that you can spend on an international signing class. It used to be unlimited, and that's where you saw the Reds really didn't touch it at all. Um, so now, now it's kind of more of a level playing field, and I, and I think the Reds are doing better in terms of we're going to target these guys, um, and we're not afraid to spend for the top guys. And um, you know, even like Ellie De La Cruz, who's turned into I think he's going to be a top 100 prospect in most places. Um, only signed for sixty five thousand, um, which is pretty low for the international level guys. So um, if you hit on a couple of those guys and you hit on a couple of your top guys, like the Jose Barreos and Vladimir Gutierrez, um, that's huge for your farm system. So uh, it's a, it's kind of a newer focus, but it's something that I, I think it's paid dividends already. That's interesting. I didn't know that they were doing that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think it, it started under Dick Williams and then um, Nick Crawl's kind of done the same thing. The, the big thing to watch in the next CBA um, when they get out of this lockout, I, I think everyone expects there will be a amateur international draft. Um, and so that'll really kind of level the playing field even further just because it'll be more of a traditional draft setting. Um, but uh, the Reds are kind of prepared for that too. I mean, I know they've hired this offseason more um, cross international cross checkers and uh, scouts just to, just to kind of match what they're doing on the amateur draft United States side. So um, and I know they're prepared for that possibility. Are you able to sign international? players right now uh the next signing period is the 15th so a bunch of those guys like i said they're they have the verbal agreements so they'll sign on the 15th um but there's a guy from venezuela if i remember i think ricardo cabrera i think is his name but he's ranked number three by baseball america and fan graphs um shortstop from venezuela so obviously it's a lot of projection i mean these guys are 16 17 years old when they're signing but when you're getting a guy that's that highly rated, I mean, that's something the Reds haven't really done besides the Chapmans and Rysel Iglesias. So you you think you're getting the, the indication that they're going more for the the high-end players instead of, you know, trying to get more. I mean, these guys are all, in some respects, lottery tickets, but they're they're getting more of the high-dollar lottery tickets is kind of what you're, you're hinting at. Yeah, I think so. I think they're playing in the – you know, trying to compete with the Dodgers and the Nationals and uh, the Yankees, because uh, those are usually the big teams that get the top guys, because um, it's also kind of like a prestige type thing. I mean, players, with it, it's not unlimited money anymore. So now, now you're trying to compete where, you know, a lot of Dominican kids see Juan Soto with the Nationals and they go, well, that's, you know, uh, I'd love to fo- kind of follow his footsteps. And so I, th- I think that's kind of important, too, is. Uh, being able to sell the organization that way. And it just seems like if the Reds are starting to get some of these guys that are highly ranked, um, to me, that says you're going to give them a high bonus. And then, um, you know, you're kind of you're kind of challenging other teams in uh, different fields for the top players. Have you heard anything on Barrero? I, I, I saw that he played a couple games. It was like 0 for 8. And then he hasn't been in the lineup, but I haven't seen any news unless I missed something. I think they're going to the like it's a 16 Dominican league. And I think it goes to four for the playoffs. And so I think we're in that window where it's like teams qualified for the playoffs. Now it's maybe the playoffs begin after Christmas. I'm not sure when the next set of games are, but he, yeah, you're right. He only played two games and then I think he was on a lineup for two. And then I assume he's going to play with them uh, at least for the first little bit in the playoffs uh, throughout January. Okay. We didn't get hurt or anything that we know of. Not that I've heard, no. Okay. All right. Good. Good. Wasn't sure on that. It's 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 really hard to to piece through the news down there. You know, I'm usually pretty good at being able to kind of search and find things. When you're trying to translate tweets, and <laughs> it really uh it, it really is a challenge. Got to brush up on that Espanol, Nick. Yeah, I'm gonna have to send you tweets. 
read them. You can uh, decipher them for me. Send them to Joey. He's way better at it than I am. Okay. All right. <laughs> a couple other good things for Bobby before we get you out of here. Who do you think's an under the radar player that could help the big league team in 2022? Like one who's already on the team? Just someone who who could who could be a contributor that maybe we're not expecting. You know, maybe someone that that hasn't made their big league debut, but someone on the big league roster that you think could could be a contributor that maybe is under the radar. I feel like under the radar in terms of if he stays healthy, that's the big question. Nick Senzel is like always the the first guy that comes to my mind. I mean, he's a, he, he looks good every time I watch him play in like spring training, um, the summer camp in July 2020. He, he he looks a lot better. I mean, it's just one of those injuries just keep popping up and kind of derailing his seasons. But um, I, I know he still has a lot of supporters among the Reds front office and saying we don't want to trade him. Uh, we still believe in him. I mean, he's a former number two pick, former top ten prospect in all of baseball. I mean, it's one of those if he figures things out. And I, I feel like Jonathan India was like that was supposed to be the Nick Senzel, what he's supposed to look like. And if he can turn into that. Um, in center field, especially. I mean, that, that solved a lot of problems. I felt like he would have solved a lot of problems if he came back healthy last year. But it's it's just one of those, if he can figure things out, I think that goes a long way for the Reds, not even just next year, but um, even the years after that. Um, and, and then probably coming up, I would say, probably Nick Lodolo. I mean, I, I think he's highly rated. I think everyone has high expectations for him. But I'm excited to see what he does. I mean, I remember I saw him – Shortly after he got drafted, maybe the first month after he got drafted, and Kyle Farmer caught him in Dayton on a rehab assignment. Um, and Kyle Farmer, he's catching at the time. He was like, he, he looks like Chris Sale out there. Uh, and he kind of reminded him of Alex Wood a little bit. Was And Alex Wood was still on the team at that time and uh, was college teammate with Farmer. So, I mean, he, he gave him a lot of really high praise. And all Lodolo's done is dominate the minor leagues when he's been healthy and pitched. Um, so, I, I think he could be a guy that um, – you know, second half of the season, you could really see some big innings out of him. Yeah, Sazil's kind of one of those players that everyone was super high on when he came up, and they, they've kind of forgotten about him in some ways. But, yeah, I mean, the red ceiling, it, it just it shoots up so much higher if, if, you know, they're able to get, honestly, even probably just the healthy Nick Sazil, just who can play, you know. Uh, uh, he can contribute in more ways than I think than just uh, than just hitting, you know, with the speed and defense. Feel free. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to, Bobby. There's a lot of a lot of uh, chatter that the Reds and in Sinzel aren't on good terms. Do you you don't from what you said? Do you not get that that sense that it's not maybe as bad as it's made out to be in some aspects of the world? I mean, it obviously didn't go well last August. I mean, the Sinzel wanted to return. The Reds said we don't think you're healthy. Um, and fit enough to play at the major league level on a daily basis. So they sent him down. And then um, Senzel said he was still hurt and um, ended the season on the injured list. Um, but every, every time I've talked to a front office guy, I mean, it's always kind of been the same message. Like he's still a guy we believe in. Um, we're not looking to trade him. We're not looking to, you know, we, we still think he could be our starting center fielder next year. I, I think obviously the injuries are kind of make it a little bit less like we're, we can't for sure picture him as our starting center fielder. He's going to have to come in healthy, um, kind of prove some things in spring training, but I, I don't get the sense that it's kind of like a irreparable relationship or um, that he wouldn't be happy playing. I mean, I think it's just, I think it was a frustrating season, frustrating injury. Um, and it just kind of played out publicly. That's awesome. Yeah. If, if he's healthy and, and he's banging in spring training, the relationship's going to be fine. But if he's not healthy and he's not banging, the relationship's not going to be fine. I feel like this is kind of the last, like, if things don't go well this year, if he's if it's more injuries, if he doesn't play well, um, then maybe I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Reds moved on from him. Um, but it, it does feel kind of like a last straw type thing, but I, I just know Reds still love his potential. It doesn't really seem like it would make any sense to trade him right now anyways. He'd be trading him his absolute lowest value and uh, still obviously still has upside. You wrote recently about the Reds' lack of depth, kind of as a concerning um, issue. I think probably after the Zips projections came out, you're kind of looking at that. Um, do you think that that uh, Barrio playing center field some last year, Sinzel, uh, them trying him out in the infield a little bit, do you kind of get the sense that maybe there is a shift in the Reds' mindset in terms of like 
position flexibility? Have you kind of got that that sense or that vibe at all? I mean, I think it's something that's important to every team now. Like it, it grew in importance. I feel like David Bell um, and his staff kind of did that right away. Kind of emphasized, you know, we want guys to play multiple positions, and um, even extends to like Mike Bustakis being able to play second base when he signed um, and third base. I mean, it's it's one of those. I think they valued it across the diamond. Um, but the lack of depth, I think, is kind of what killed their season last year. I mean, they didn't have – you were starting to line on to Shields and a Jose Barrero that hasn't adjusted to the major league level yet down the stretch, which wasn't ideal. You know, that you look at kind of the starting rotation, the end of last year, um, Wade Miley was hurt and Vladimir Gutierrez kind of hit that wall. Um, so they had to do Raver San Martin and Riley O'Brien made their major league debuts in the last week of the season. And, and to me, it was like if those games mattered uh, and the Cardinals winning streak made it moot. But if those games mattered, uh, you can't be starting. You can't have guys making their MLB debuts um, if you're trying to win a wild card spot in the last week of the season. Um, and that's kind of why in, in my head, I, like me personally, I think it makes sense to trade some of those starters, the Luis Castillos, um, to at least explore that market more seriously. Just because like last year, you go into the season Michael Lorenzen and Sonny Gray were injured in your rotations. So you're missing two guys out of your starting rotation out of camp. If this team is missing two of their five guys, I mean, there's already a competition for the fifth spot. Um, you know, say Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley are both injured at the end of spring training. This team is, doesn't look good on paper at all. So it, to me, it just makes sense to, like, depth-wise. To me, that's kind of the greatest argument for saying this team has a ways to go. If you can't spend money to fill those depth. Uh, fill that extra depth, um, th- then you have to look elsewhere um, and, and maybe make the trades and then try to build up a team um, for 2023-2024 that's going to have more depth and more guys ready for it. I mean, you're still going to have Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo. Those guys are still going to debut at some point in the upcoming season if they're healthy. Um, so I, I just think it makes sense to kind of speed it up if, if you're not going to be able to add free agents and you're not going to be able to sign guys. Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you about one of the partners of the Believe Podcast Network, Lightbox. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gifts of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you will ever find. At a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just as grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in a blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll they'll never want to take off, priced so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. Well, Bobby, thank you so much for coming on. Really uh, appreciated your your insight, and uh, you do an awesome job covering the team. So uh, uh, keep up uh, the great work with that. You got any uh, any articles or anything that you're you're working on now that you kind of want to shout out before you get out of here? I will, I will say, yeah, I got a story coming soon. Uh, just kind of on the the kind of the shortstop journey. Um, I don't I don't know the history behind the hashtag Kirby hates farmer, but. <laughs> I, I know it's out there, um, but oh, I, I want to do something like since Zach closed our time, kind of the journey, the the Kyle Farmer, Jose Barrero, how you're going into spring training, um, how it kind of works its way up to this. Hell yeah. Oh, boy. What is, the, what is the history? Because I've always been curious and I never. Yeah, Nick, tell us. It, it's it's a wild journey. So I did not agree with the Reds. Um playing Kyle Farmer early in the year at like first base. I thought they should have looked for someone else that could play that position, whatever. And when we got to the trade deadline, I wanted the Reds to go get like a guy like Trevor story. And it's so I said it on the podcast. And so it started out to this, this Kirby hates farmer hashtag that, that our, our pal Ryan Castellanos really uh, got going. And then uh, I, I got the opposite because then after the trade deadline, I said, you know, at this point, I think they should just ride Farmer out to the rest of the season. I was like, I, you know, I just, I don't think that, you know, Barrio is a for sure 100% guarantee to outplay him in a, in a like, you know, six week stretch. And so I got the other side. Kirby loves Farmer and 
I really had a wild year with Kyle Farmer. I, I could not, I literally could not make a single person on this planet happy with my takes on Kyle <laughs> Farmer. So there you go. It, it's, it's reached the Cincinnati Enquirer, Carlos. Oh, boy. I love it. I love it. And then I felt like, I can't wait to tell Ryan. <laughs> and then I felt like Carlos, there was some, like, I felt like you got the, you said Jose Barrero shouldn't start. I feel like, I feel like I like, I got all this secondhand, I feel like, but like, oh, yeah. You, with, you tried to explain it on Twitter, and people were like, "How can you believe Burrow should be behind far? Is that is that accurate?" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I was with, with Nick basically at the beginning of the year, and kind of you know it's like we need to do have a different shortstop, blah blah blah. But then he goes off, and like they're still not calling Barrero up, even though how well he's playing. And then you know the team was still in it. They at that point they had put so much time behind Farmer and so much invested in him, and he was playing you know, what I considered well enough to where, you know, the Reds weren't really worried what was going on at shortstop. They had so many other holes to fill and I thought he was doing a good job. And then when he gets called up and doesn't play, people just lost their mind on Twitter. And I wasn't defending. I, I was defending the coach's stance, the front office stance. Like, listen, you can't just bring this guy in here and start him with, you know, with Kyle Farmer doing fine, being an average, you know, major league shortstop. You know, he's been here all year. He's been playing hurt. That that carries a lot of weight in the clubhouse. I'm sure you you can speak to that as well, Bobby. Like, I mean, that that stuff is real. And oh, absolutely. People people don't like that answer. And you know, I don't like whenever you have to te- you tear one guy down just to build your guy up, especially when they're on the same team, the team that you love. Like it, to me, that's just wild. So I just spend my most of my time arguing the fact that the coaches made the right decision. Yeah, and it, I felt like last year was like when you're in a playoff race, there's a lot of things that go out the window too. I mean, if you got a good thing with Farmer, you got to kind of – to me, it made sense to write it out. I mean, I don't think I'd, I'd go Barrero into this upcoming year, but I, I think last year made a lot of sense to stick with Farmer down the stretch. I mean, to me, I'm always going to go with proven talent in a playoff race especially versus – For sure. Talent. And, and this coming season, I'm kind of – I would say that they're going to start off with with Farmer at short, no matter how well Barrero does there in spring training, just by the way that they ended last year. I mean, that's what I'm going to go off of. But I don't know what I would do like if I'm thinking about it. If I was the manager, I don't know who I would pencil in right now. Kind of, I guess maybe it depends on what happens the rest of the offseason, if they're going to go for it, if they sign a, another outfielder, um, you know, add some depth, then maybe you stay with Farmer. But if you don't, and you're just kind of, you know, lowering payroll. Then I think Barrero has to be the shortstop. I, I think, yeah. If you're, if the team's kind of in that development mind state, mind state, I, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense to go that route. I felt like that was kind of the Kirby hates Farmer. Like I, I felt like every like big time Farmer did something. I felt like I saw that. Oh, it was every single one of them. It wasn't even. It was. It was a walk. He he walked. It was fifty <laughs> tweets. Kirby hates Farmer. No, it was great. I, and half was, the time it was it was, it was either me or, or Ryan sending them out first. Ninety <laughs> percent of it was in good fun. There was a couple couple wackos out there, but most of it was all in good fun. And yeah, made the season it made the season like like as always with. Uh, with everything Cincinnati Reds, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. There's the uh, the origin behind Kirby uh, Hates Farmer. Hopefully the entire world world knows it now. But before you get out of here, just to, to clarify our stance here at Late Night Red Stock Live, we love Kyle Farmer. We love Jose <laughs> Barrero. We love them both. We want them both to succeed. And if the Reds don't sign anyone, there's going to be plenty of at-bats for everyone. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, we'll be good. We'll be good. That's the thing, too. It's like, you know, injuries are just a part of baseball, unfortunately. And it's like all these debates in the offseason, I always feel like they're moot by the time spring training ends just because an injury created an opening somewhere else. And, you know, like Jonathan India, no one would have predicted he would have been the starting opening day second baseman at this time last year. What are you going to do when Moustakis returns? It was literally never an issue. <laughs> <laughs> they never had at one point, I think. Did they at any point really have all of them healthy outside until later in the year when, you know, Suarez was struggling so much that it was like an obvious decision? But was it ever an issue? Never felt like it, right? Yeah. Never. And there was so, a so much uh, heat on it, you know, before, uh, before you know, when, when while Moustakas was coming back. And then he had that, he had the, uh, 
the setback during his rehab assignment. And I think that was when it when it was really like, oh my god, what are the Reds going to do? What are the Reds going to do? And then it was never an issue. I mean, there was a time in uh, May when it was like Senzel or India for second base, like that was the big debate. And then Senzel didn't return. India becomes Rookie of the Year. I mean, oh yeah, changed so, so fast. There was a lot of that Barrero gang that was calling for Senzel to start playing second base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, India, India had an OPS below 700, like entering June, like, which is just insane for how well he finished the year. I mean, he really did not start off. He started off really well for like, you know, week and a half, and then he really struggled. And uh, um, it's cool to see him, you know, play through it. And what, a, what a year. Yeah, there was a point. I remember the team was in uh, Colorado, and I was—I remember that whole. I think it was a four-game series. I was like, he—he's—he's he's on the verge of getting sent down. Like this could be his last day, you know, and just get him regular at bats at Louisville, and um, you know that's probably better for his development. And then Senzel got hurt on that trip. Um, Shogo Akiyama was even starting some of those games. Um, some of the few games he started last year or during that trip, and then it was just like. India finally looked like he started putting things together, and then, but it felt like he was really on the verge of getting sent down. Um, and then, right, right as he was, then he figured everything out, and then it would have been, you know, wonder how things would have changed if he did. But it's it's crazy to to think like that. I mean, who knows? You know, I guess it's that that fine line between you know players letting them play through it, and I think if you would probably pulled. 100 Reds fans, probably 90 of them would have said, yeah, I think India is going to get set down, you know, here soon. Like, Yeah, what a year. Bob, you got anything else for us? No, I just want to say you, you both are fun to watch on Twitter. You guys are <laughs> great getting Reds fans engaged. So, um, yeah, hopefully it's a fun, another fun year coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and appreciate you coming on. Hopefully we get to have you again uh, maybe sometime during the spring or maybe even during the year. Yeah, just hopefully the lockout's over by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what we're going to talk about. If not, we'll call you weeks. before then because we're going to be real bored. <laughs> well, already feel, feel, they already feel bored, and this is like supposed to be the dead period anyway during the holidays. Yeah. All right, well, Bobby, well, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks again, guys. See, See ya. Ya. Bobby Nightingale. It was awesome. He was fun, wasn't he, Carlos? Mm-hmm. Uh Really interesting. I, I loved uh, his uh, his take on Sinzel, kind of the, you know, kind of that, hey, maybe it's not as bad as it, it's kind of been, you know, made out to be. I think that was pretty cool uh, to hear that. Um, yeah, just uh, uh, fascinating stuff. Yeah, it'd be really it's a shame what's going on uh, in the world and we can't be in the clubhouse because, I mean, those, those could have been some pretty good stories he told. Hopefully that comes around soon. I don't. Doesn't seem like it's coming around this. Maybe the first half of next year. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm really. I'm really uh, getting nervous here that that we're gonna we're gonna miss games here at some point. Uh, I've been looking at uh, you know possibly going to uh, to the Reds in Fenway, and I'm like, my wife's been asking, bugging me about it. You know, booking a, uh, a hotel or an Airbnb or something. I'm like, hold on. I'm not. Don't don't spend any money. Like. I, I don't feel like I don't feel comfortable yet that the season's for sure gonna, you know, get started. So, yeah, I don't know. I did want to. We won't we won't drag this out too long, but uh, it was nice to have Bobby on. I did want to kind of go through the uh, uh, the red zips projection since that did come out uh, this week. Here you see just kind of the overall. If you're watching uh, the overall uh, projections. Carlos, when this came out, were you kind of like, you know, surprised? Like, oh wow, this is this actually looks pretty good. What was your your feeling on it? I don't know. I was kind of a little little indifferent. I figured it'd be pretty similar to what what last year's were. I don't know. I just feel like it seems like Winker's kind of low to me. It seems like Joey's still low. I mean, for, for the most part, like the starters are pretty good. I don't understand how they do the relievers and some of those, because some of those are negative that are on there. So I don't, but, oh, oh, uh, Stevenson, the catching position, that's, that's one of the one I thought was super low. I mean, I feel like a whole season of a healthy Stevenson, he, he's probably going to be with this lineup here, India, Joey. Like he might be going for 
third or fourth best hitter on the team, production-wise, in my opinion, if he's healthy. Yeah, I would say that that Stevenson will be higher than than the one point eight. Um, I don't know. Maybe Nap drags that down. I'm not sure if Nap has a negative <laughs> a negative wins above replacement. Come on, Knapp, you're killing us already. I would say he's probably up, and India might be a little down. Three point nine, man. That that feels whew, that that's high for. A, what a did second. he end up last year? He was a three point nine last year. Oh, then <laughs> he's literally is, is at the exact same. Yeah, I mean, I can I can kind of feel that a little bit. Maybe he won't struggle as much as he did at the beginning last year, but he might not just be as hot as long, you know? Yeah, yeah. Somewhere around there. I'm sure Winker, I mean, Winker's twofold. I'm sure it's the defense drags him down a little bit, um, and then they're not projecting that he plays. You know, Winker's, yeah, I think he had to play over 110 games. So, um, I mean, that's the big knock on him is, is you know, he just hasn't been able to play a full season. Um, what do you think they – the guy who who made this, I guess Dan made this, or he just printed the article, but whoever came up with these numbers in center field and, and right field, they're like, hey, who are the starting outfielders for Cincinnati? <laughs> Naquin, Aquino, and Friedel. What? Who? <laughs> uh, so so the, the projections last year totaled, if you just total all the players up, 31.2 wins above replacement, and then 2022 was 35.2. And 2021, the projections were including Rysel Iglesias and Archie Bradley in there because they weren't off the team yet. They were still projected to be part of the team. So I, that that's what really stuck to me when I added them up. I was like, oh, wow, that's actually like a four win. Okay, so our actual relief pitcher last year was 2-3. Then 4-6 is way too high. Mm. Because that means you're going to have to have a good J, uh, a good Amir Garrett, a good Wilson. I mean, Moretta, he's that rookie, right? Who came up at the very end that didn't allow runs in AAA. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, Sims, I think Sims, so. then a healthy Warren, Sessa, maybe might be the only positive players. Well, okay, so last year you had Hendricks, Osich, Perez. And Romano combined for minus one point three, just themselves. So if you can avoid like some of the negatives, I mean that will obviously help you get a lot closer to that, you know, four than than not. Um Sims led the way at one point three and he didn't pitch a full season and really struggled for about two months. So I mean, I think he could be a two win reliever on his own. Yeah. Sessa, I mean you know, he was worth a half of a win last year, but he was only here two months. I mean, I think he could be worth a full win. Well, there's there's two. Um, you know, and if you're subtracting that one, well, there's three. And you only really need one more. I think Garrett, I think Garrett's projection, I got this on the next one. This might be really hard to read here, but uh, uh, Garrett had a pretty good projection. He was worth uh, projected for 0. .4. Um so, I mean, he was, I think, minus one, minus 0 0.1 last year. So, um, I mean, again, these are relievers. The the wins above replacement projections for individual re relievers in an individual season with 20, 30 innings, it's a very, you know, imperfect science, I think. I don't know. I, it might be a little high, but I don't think, I, I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to be 2.3. I, I think maybe, maybe you split the difference. Maybe it's like, you know, close just shy of four um when it's all said and done but threats could also still you know add add someone else to the mix um you know add a, a veteran reliever that doesn't you know necessarily you know cost a ton that you know maybe is worth a, a win on their own but i don't know i think if you go through i think other than sims you look at the relievers and none of them like stand out as like you know like dominant pitchers but if you kind of go through each one of them like okay Seth, this is like he's, he's an above average reliever right I mean, yeah. I mean, no, I, I think Art, he's probably Art, about average. Art Warren, he's he's you know he everything I've seen out of him looks like hardly knew the guy. He's an average reliever. Tony Santion, we think he's probably an above average reliever. Moretta, we we feel good about him. Justin Wilson, I feel like he's probably close to average. I mean, you know, you kind of go through each of these guys, and you know they're not with I your think, optimism. Then it should be a seven four. 
<laughs> I don't think they're giving no seven, but I don't know. I think if you kind of look through them all, I think you kind of all right. They, you know, they're, they're a little bit better than um, um, you know what 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 the perception is of them. And I think some of what happened was just. I mean, you had so many guys just. Everyone that the Reds, you know, threw up on the dartboard failed. <laughs> and and I know people are going to say, well, they shouldn't have done it. Well, the Reds do that every year. Last year, it just like it all, it really all went went bad. But, I mean, the Reds have had, you know, you, you look back through, you know, the last couple of years before that. Reds have brought guys up like they signed Jared Hughes for like, what, like $2 million. And like he was a really, really good reliever for, for them, you know, crazy eyes. But like, you know. Like the 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 twenty twenty one version of of Jared Hughes, Sean Doolittle, you know, just didn't it didn't work out. So I, I think some of that, you know, just hopefully you know your luck on some of those things kind of turn around a little bit. Let's go. I'm gonna fire off some names, and you just fire. You go over or under. Okay, let's do it. Okay, Castillo three eight. I feel like that's like right on, but I'll, I'll say I'll say over. Mally three six over. I think Ma- I think Mally will be ahead of Castillo. That's my bold prediction. Okay. Um, Reds shortstop one point two. Not just far. Reds far. You, you got to do great because I was at least gonna say under for one of them. So I, I don't look like I'm you know just the, the a complete homer. All right, Reds shortstop. You say one point two. Yeah, I mean I'm gonna say over just because you know you're gonna have. You know, Barrio in the mix there. Farmer was worth, I think, 1.2 on his own last year. So I, I think that's over. Okay. Um, Votto at 2-1. I'm going to say over. Um, I mean, I think, obviously, at this stage of of the career, it's really difficult to project what Joey's going to do. Also, as much as it pains me to say, is he going to be able to stay healthy? You know, it's it's not Joey. It's not anything that Joey does right or wrong. Just when you're that age, you know, players get hurt. So I would say over, but I'm I'm cautious on that. And not not because of necessarily production. I would say more more like, is he going to be able to stay healthy? And Suarez at a two zero. That's Suarez and Mustakis. That says, but I'm faking it. Suarez at a two. Just just Suarez. Um. I'm going to say under I'm going to say Kirby hates Suarez. <laughs> okay, let me let me break this down a little bit more. Okay, so I think Suarez will be a above average hitter, maybe not a lot, but I I think he'll probably put up like, I don't know, maybe like a 800 OPS or something like that. Something respectable. But I don't think he gets to 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 two wins by replacement because his defense isn't very good anymore. So I think it'll be like probably in like the, I would say he's probably like that 1.7, 1.8 range if I'm just, you know, throwing out a, a, a blind number. All right, let me throw a couple out to you. Green, 1.8. Who? Hunter Green. Oh, I thought you said Kareem. I'm like, who the hell is this Kareem fella? Um, I'm going to go under. I just don't think he's going to have enough time up there. And I think it's going to take him a year or two to figure it out, to make the adjustment. Cause this kid, this kid's never had to make an adjustment. Nick, he, he hasn't, he's been the best at every level he's been at. And I know you can say that for a lot of minor leaguers, but I mean, this guy's been exceptional. So, and I think he's, I think he's going to hit a couple of bumps in the road. So I'm going to go slightly under. It's, it's hard to, to bank on a rookie for that number, no matter what you think. of Yeah. Him. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Jose Barrera, one point four. That's his own projection. Just him. One point four. <laughs> what What was my man last year? Where is it? What was Barrera last year? No. What was Farmer? What was... I think was Farmer. I think was one point two last year. Oh, dang! That's a good one. No, Farmer. Oh, sorry. I, like we all do, I sold sold Kyle Short. He was one point six last year. <laughs> Sorry, Kyle. He's got to go a one four. I'm gonna go over. I'd say if he gets enough abs, he'll be at least Kyle Farmer. Yeah, and, and Farmer just because all, of the power numbers. 
And Farmer also, with the, the war calculation, they use defensive run saved, um, which isn't as good of a stat. I don't feel as outs above average, which is through stat cast. But Farmer wasn't as elite in defensive run saved. I think it said he was more of an average. I think, you know, uh, uh, Brera will probably get some of that. So probably get some of that def- defensive bonus, I would say. Um, and, and kind of stick in there. All right, let's do one more. Tyler, Ma- I'm gonna do the same one I did. I want I want you on uh, on Tyler Malley, uh, three point four. Three point four. Does it show what it was last year? Tyler Malley last year was three point eight. Led the Cincinnati Reds at three point eight. I, I'm gonna go above a three point four because I think he'll at least do what he did last year. I mean, he's just he's so he's just too young and he's just getting better every year. There's like there's a trend, so I'm gonna go with it. Might not be that great at home, but he can't be that bad on the road again. I just can't. Yeah. Now uh, we did get a question here as we uh, as we wrap this up. Uh, thanks, Eric, for watching tonight. Over under on the Reds at the 500 market. Well, you know I'm going over. Um, I don't know. I'm still optimistic on this team. The depth is definitely a major concern, um, but. I think right now, I think this team, I think this team rolls out this lineup right now. This team, I think they're probably a 500 team right now. Maybe I'm just, you know, a sucker. I don't believe Bobby. I mean, I believe Bobby, but I don't believe Bobby. I, I think, I think they're going to, I think they're going to get above that 120, uh, 120 million salary. I just, I, no. I just, I mean, I think, the, I think the 2022 Reds team on paper beats the 21 team. I mean, because all those young guys are just going to be a year better. Who they 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 lose Ryan? I mean, uh, Nick. I'm sorry, they did well, lose Ryan too. Well, Ryan's a massive. Ryan's just as big of a loss for for Red. Yeah, Stone. we lose the Castellanos family. Put it that way. Um, I'm yeah, still not sold. He's not back. I I, I yeah. still until he signs somewhere, I'm not going to believe that that he doesn't end up coming. But back. still, I still I, I think I take the 2022 team over the 2021 team. And they were over 500, so. Yeah, I think it's close. I think the I think the Brewers are going to come back down to earth. I think the Cardinals will be a little bit better. You keep uh, saying that about the them Brewers, Nick. They will eventually. They did. They were terrible in September, but it was already over. Remember they got swept in a four-game series at home by the stupid Cardinals? No, I don't remember because baseball was over by then for me. Yeah. Come down to earth. I mean, the Cubs are probably going to be a little bit better. I don't know, but the Cubs still had a lot of talent in the first half. Of last year, so I mean, yeah, they'll be better than the second half Cubs, but at the end of the year, have they added? Will will they add enough to be better than they were? I don't know. Pirates are still going to suck. So I don't know if there's a seven team in all playoffs. The Reds, I think, I think I'd probably have them in as like the sixth, sixth or seventh team right now. I mean, they finished with the sixth best record last year. It's interesting, you know. The depth is the the concern. I don't think losing Wade Miley is that big of a deal. I'm sorry. Uh, I would have loved to have seen them kept him and have him be uh, your uh, depth, more of a depth piece um, as a guy who you could pencil into the rotation. You could maybe move to the bullpen. I would have loved him, but you know, if it's Wade Miley or Sonny Gray, I'm taking Sonny Gray every day of the week. How are you going to feel about those uh, the Wade Miley fan club showing up when the Cubs come to town and he's pitching? Oh, that'd, that'd be that'd be a tough scene. Uh, <laughs> Um, I loved Wade Miley this year, but I, I hope the Reds. I hope he pitches in that first series, and I hope the Reds like put up a ten spot on him. I hope it's like that Rockies game that he pitched last year. That would just. I feel like is that that's an opening day the Cubs? Yeah, opening day is the Cubs. So I'm sure the Cubs will be like, yeah, we're gonna pitch him in the fourth game. We're not gonna give the Reds a crack at him. Who uh, who would it be? Stroman, I guess. For opening day, Stroman. They still have Hendricks, right? I think they still have Hendricks. Do they? Or they probably throw him. Yeah, I would. I would assume they probably go Stroman, Hendricks, Miley would probably be the third, but Miley might be like, yeah, you know what? Put me in on Friday or or whatever. The, the, the you know they're throwing that left hander against the Reds. That is true. <laughs> that that is true. Uh, I don't know. It would be fun. It would be a fun uh, a fun uh, matchup. Again, this is actually if the season starts on time. Reds may every not actually time, start against the Cubs. Every time somebody in the in the Central signs a, a left handed pitch, I'm like, damn it, stop it. <laughs> I really don't think this team's gonna gonna struggle as much as they did last. I think a lot of that was fluky. I just you know Stevenson in India should mash left-handed pitching. 
Suarez, Suarez is the big key because he was legitimately one of the top 10 hitters in baseball against left-handed pitching when he was going right. So, you know, I mean, those guys should be able to hold their own. Um, you know, Sinzel should be a guy that hits left-handed pitching well. Um, I, I still believe in my guy, Aquino. Um, I think they have enough pieces that they may not be a dominant team against left-handed pitching by any means, uh, but I, I don't think it's going to be as bad. I just, I don't, even without without Cassian, I think some of that was just, I don't know, just a bad year. But I don't know, maybe they can, maybe they can pick up someone like a Phil Irvin that just has like an incredible year that just, you know, on a minor league deal. That Shout just- out Phil Irvin. He just got married a couple weeks yeah. ago. Congrats, Phil. Who was, who was there? Who was with him? It was a former red. Was it Winker? Did I, did I see pictures of Winker with him? Uh, I believe he was there. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite a few that were there. Okay. Awesome. What I heard. Well, Carlos, you got any other uh, parting words of wisdom? For 2021. This is it. Last live show of 2021. No, man. (laughs) Well, thank you everyone uh, for watching late night Reds talk live or, or listening sponsored as always by bet online. We appreciate everyone uh, who has uh, watched the show this past year. Um, It has been uh, a lot of fun. I can't believe how many people have actually tuned in. That's insane. So thank you uh, to everyone for that. Uh, Next week, we're not going to do a live show, but we will have a special uh, show up. Uh, For those of you who maybe, you know, kind of found this this silly show halfway through or whatever, um, we're going to do the best of Late Night Reds Talk uh, 2021. Um, It'll be up just like like this on Twitter and everything next Monday night uh, at 9 p.m. and then up on all your your favorite podcast platforms uh, the next morning. Uh, if you haven't uh, checked us out and subscribed, subscribe to us on YouTube um, under Nick Kirby Late Night Reds Talk Live, Spotify, Apple, everything else. Uh, if you like the show, leave us a five star review. Uh, smash that like button, that subscribe button on YouTube. Uh, we would uh, uh, really appreciate it. Uh, that's all I got for tonight. Everyone have a a wonderful holiday season. Merry Christmas and. Uh, We'll look forward to seeing you guys uh, again in 2022.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.